Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, ninth, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. Today's episode is most relevant for sophomores, but juniors who are a little late to the game will find it helpful as well. And of course, for those freshmen out there, there's no harm in tuning in to get a little bit smarter about what to expect next year. This week, I'm going to lay out the exact rationale for studying for the SAT or ACT this summer with the goal of sitting for your first official SAT or ACT in the fall. Let's call it September, October, or November. I will then quickly move through the steps that you need to take to make this happen. I have a son who's a sophomore who just went through this process. I have several private prep wellers who are sophomores who are doing this. I talk to prep wellers and their parents all the time, and they're all doing this, most of them being sophomores. And just to be clear, I'm not going to spend a lot of time today going over why this test score is so important for your application. I have hammered this point home so many times over the last few months, I'm getting sick of it. And by now, you should realize that it's no joke. Most students, especially prep wellers, they're not giving in to the temptation to not take the SAT or ACT just because it looks like it's going to remain optional for the foreseeable future. I know a lot of colleges are moving in that direction, but please don't let that distract you. There are reasons behind this test optional trend that I don't want to go into now, but believe me, they are not necessarily to help you out, especially if you're applying to some of the highly selective programs. So whether or not colleges will be test optional does not matter in my opinion. You should do everything in your power to get a strong score on one of these tests. And the best way to do that is to prepare for the test this summer and not wait until junior year. Let me repeat that. To achieve the best score you can, you want to prepare for the SAT or ACT this summer, not during your junior year. You do not want to leave SAT prep as a to-do item in the middle of your junior year, your most challenging year in high school. You will have many other priorities next year, like taking challenging classes and excelling in those classes, performing well for the teachers who are going to write your letters of recommendation, preparing for AP exams, taking on those big leadership roles, playing your sport, dealing with recruitment issues if you're an athlete. And the list goes on and on. Do you really want the job of, quote, studying for the SAT, unquote, to be hanging over your head for the entire year? Fact check, no, you do not. The best case scenario is that you prepare for the test this summer and then take the test in September or October of your junior year with November as a backup. This will allow you to be fully primed and ready to rock and roll right before the test instead of trying to squeeze it in in the spring with 10 other competing priorities. 
If you spend the last four to six weeks of this summer preparing, you will peak at just the right time. And yes, if you do this, you will be in the minority among your peers. Not many of your friends will be doing this. So be prepared for some pushback from them this summer. That's okay. My guess is that not all of your friends probably aspire to do what you want to do. And not many of your friends have someone like me showing them the way. They're doing what everyone else is doing. And that's not what you want to be doing. You want to be different. So when your friends are wondering why you're studying over the summer, and they tell you that it's way too early and stop stressing out and calm down, just smile and nod and say, yeah, I know. I just thought I'd get a head start on studying. Next year is supposed to be really busy. And that's it. You don't have to apologize for studying. You don't have to convince them to study. You just do your own thing and carve your own path. They'll figure out their own business at some point. And mind you, your friends will not be the only ones suggesting that spring of your junior year is the right time to start thinking about the SAT. Your teachers, guidance counselors, other parents maybe, social media, they will probably tell you the same thing. And they're not telling you that out of malice, but because they're assuming that you're like everyone else who takes the standard path. They're assuming you're a sheep. And you're not a sheep. You're a wolf. Now, in their defense, there are some practical reasons why waiting a little bit longer to take the SAT or the ACT may make sense for your average student. For one, you may not be ready. You may not have covered every single one of the math concepts that you'll see on the SAT or ACT quite yet, depending on what your math progression has been like over the last few years. That's a fair point, especially for students who have not yet taken pre-calc or some of the more advanced math classes. However, I would still prefer that you spend a solid four to six weeks in deep study for the SAT over the summer with no distractions instead of just waiting for six months, hoping that you'll cover a few esoteric math concepts that you haven't covered yet. Most students by the end of their sophomore year have covered the lion's share of math on these tests. And if you haven't, either spend a little time studying ahead or get a tutor or just resolve not to worry about those last few questions and focus on mastering what you do know. For most students, the goal here is not perfection. The second argument is that by spring of your junior year, you will simply be eight or nine months smarter than you were at the end of the summer. You'll have taken more classes and more tests and had more life experience and simply be more generally prepared. But again, if I had two choices, choice number one, spend four to six weeks over the summer intently studying and practicing for the test with no distractions, or two, hope that I'm nine months smarter by the spring, even though I had no time to specifically pe prepare for the test, I'm taking the former every single time. There are a few other reasons that I'll bring up that make the case even more strongly. Number one, by taking an early test, you ensure that you have plenty of time to recover in the case that the test doesn't go well, or maybe you get sick, or there's an emergency, or a worldwide pandemic. In my son's case, my older son, he took the SAT in September, misbubbled his test, 
and had to cancel it. But luckily he had a backup test. He took it again in November and that was it. He crushed it and he never looked back. But if you wait to take your first test in May or June and you screw it up, now you're forced to take one over the summer or even into senior year and the pressure starts to mount. The second reason, if you're an athlete hoping to get recruited, it's best to provide coaches with an early SAT score, if it's a good one. Because without an SAT score, as great as you say you are, coaches are a little reluctant to invest too much time in you because they'll be wasting their time if you can't deliver an acceptable SAT score. So send them a signal early that you're worth a look because your grades and your SAT score are in the ballpark. Which brings me to number three, a more general point, and the premise behind Preple Academy, which is that early is almost always better than late. This is especially the case when it comes to the military and admissions for service academies and ROTC scholarships if you're heading in that direction, because you'll soon be applying for congressional nominations, asking teachers for letters of recommendation, filling out service academy applications, maybe applying early to an ROTC college. So the sooner you have all of the relevant parts of your application done, the better. The fourth reason, taking an early test also sends you a signal. Are you getting an SAT score that is consistent with your goals? Whether it's for the Naval Academy or for Princeton or for Vanderbilt, if you're pulling a 950 or an 1100 on the SAT, then you may have some major work to do. And if you don't figure this out until late in your junior year, it may be too late for you to recover. And you've probably wasted a lot of time spinning your wheels unnecessarily. If you get a score early, assuming you've prepared for it, and it's not to your liking, you still have time to recover. You can either study more or hire a tutor or practice more or whatever it takes to reach your goal, or maybe you have to lower those expectations a bit, but at least you'll know. Reason number five, another reason to study, even if it turns out that you didn't score as well as you had hoped or that you want to try a few more tests, is that you've gotten the bulk of your studying done already. You've done 80% of the hard work. And if you want to continue studying and practicing and further refining, great. But the heavy lifting is done, and that's a huge weight off your shoulders and not something that you're going to be able to do in the middle of junior year. And lastly, number six, and when we talk about wanting to take more tests, some colleges don't penalize students for taking multiple tests. In fact, some encourage applicants to take several tests because some schools will superscore your tests, meaning that they will take your best scores on each section, even from different test dates, and combine them into a single superscore. So by taking an early test, it gives you more time to take more tests if need be, which may translate into a better super score. However, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. You should still study and prepare for the test as if it's your only one. Don't take official SATs as practice and don't count on taking seven, eight, or nine SAT tests hoping to luck out on a few sections in all of them. That strategy would be expensive and would waste a lot of time. Well, I hope I've convinced you to carve out four to six weeks this summer for consistent, deep study of the SAT or ACT. And if I have, here's a crash course to help you figure out how to proceed from here.
Step number one, take a practice or what we call a diagnostic SAT and ACT sometime this month. I suggest taking one on consecutive Sunday mornings, let's say at 8 a.m. when it's quiet and no one's around. Try to create a as true a test-taking environment as possible so you get the most realistic result. I actually took my son a few weeks ago to the office and I sat him down in an empty conference room with an empty desk and nothing else. And three hours later, he emerged with one of his practice tests done. And I did that two weekends in a row. You don't want any distractions. You don't want the dog. You don't want food. You don't want your phone in there with you, God forbid, or anything else. Do this for the SAT and ACT and see which test you perform better on. If you want to do this and aren't sure where to start, please send me an email and I will set you up with my partner company who sets all of this up for free. They provide an online proctor and will grade your test and send you back a recommendation for which test to take officially based on which one you do better on. Step two, once you know if you're an SAT or an ACT student, then you need to figure out how much, if anything, you want to invest in this process, in your studying. Do you want to spend $0 and take books out from the library or use Khan Academy? Do you want to spend a few hundred dollars in a classroom setting with other students or a few thousand dollars with a one-on-one -on -one tutor? Step number three, now that you know your method of studying, you need to map out a plan. And when I say map out a plan, I mean a weekly accounting of what you will do. How many hours a week will you study? What days of the week will you study? When will you take your practice full-length tests? I don't want to just hear, I plan to study this summer. I want details. Which weeks of the summer? What time of day? All of these details matter. Or the summer will fly by and you won't know what hit you. Step number four, register for the exams. And I say exams because, remember, I want you to sign up for a primary exam date and then at least one backup, if not two backups, just in case. And lastly, step number five, circle that date on your calendar and make sure there are no conflicts. Do your best to be primed for that test date and knock it out of the park and never look back. You can't imagine the relief that will come over you if you get a score that you wanted and you're a one and done and out. And for the rest of your junior year, you don't have to worry about it. Okay, I know I went through those steps pretty quickly. Please, if you're a prep weller, go to your video library and watch or rewatch, hopefully, all of the lessons where I go into a lot more depth with links and suggestions. That will give you all the information you need. The rest will be up to you. Good luck. And that's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. If you know a parent with an 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, especially for this episode, the 10th graders and 11th graders, please share the episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with the tiny arrow that points up. That's the share button. Click on that button, text your friends the link, and ask them to give it a listen. If you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram. Check out our blog, Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing.
This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to prepwellacademy.com and enroll your child today.